0: welcome back to the action ignited podcast the podcast to help you ignite your action move forward towards your goals more than just health and wellness i'm ism Haddad here with my co-host jason hogarth and we are here to give you all the tips the stories the lifetime events and anything to help you within your wellness and lifestyle journeys to kick this thing right off um, we wanted to cover some health myths there's an article, and we'll share. Excuse me. We will share the link in the show notes. Um, but there is two that really stood out. We'll dive into that. We're going to share some professional advice towards that, and just some personal opinions as well. And we'll kick that that thing off. Uh, we're going to dive right into. There is a myth. Myth number two on this list. And again, we'll share it on the show notes. It's from PrismaHealth.org. Um, it says you can catch up on your sleep and I think that one was huge and we're going to talk about the whoop tracker essentially on this article I'll try to summarize it. Um, one of the quotes in here from one of the doctors says uh, many studies have shown a direct link between lack of sleep and acquiring chronic diseases like hypertension, diabetes, obesity and and heart health and sleep's essential as we know that's why it's important to get your uh, amount of sleep And with all that being said they're trying to say that essentially, sleep consistently at the same time because you can't necessarily catch up on sleep so they're trying to say if you you know have any issues with sleep reach out to your doctor um i want to dive into this one specifically about uh my experience with whoop and how i got to see my recovery score change over time um before we dive into the to that side of things. What are your takes on that? Do you feel like you can catch up on sleep? How do you look at that? And then is there any, um, you know, wellness side of it that you see? I think it's all
1: see, there's so many different ways to take it. Because as I look Mm -hmm. at it, I've always been someone to say that phrase of like, I'll just catch up this this weekend or whatever it is. So in my head, I can but I think the other part of it is Not everyone needs the same amount of sleep either because I feel like I operate at a more optimal awareness and level that if I get around you know, seven hours of sleep to where um, I know some people need nine hours of sleep to feel at their best. And if I get nine, I'm just going to be groggy and tired all day. So it's really interesting. And to your point, I've been using Whoop a little less time than you, but it's interesting to where I feel like you don't necessarily catch up on sleep. But that doesn't mean that your overall recovery is going to be bad. While sleep's important, you can recover if you're doing other things well. I know you mentioned you had some recent experience with that specifically of, you know, your recovery being good, even though your sleep was a little lacking. So maybe if you want to dive into how that worked for you and maybe some trends that you've seen in this shorter period of time.
0: Yeah. And like to first kind of answer this, like you can catch, catch up on your sleep. Like, I I personally feel like you can to a certain point, like we've both, whether in our present life or past chapters of being an athlete, like you treat like the weekends, as time to catch up on sleep. And I think what this article really is trying to shed a light on is like, you don't want to. Take your circadian rhythm out of loop or out of uh, you know the same trend, the same rhythm. In the sense of you sleeping on different times during the week and not having consistency there, you might feel more groggy, um, not have enough mental clarity, may feel a little bit more achy, may even build some inflammation. But um, going through or towards the route and reasoning behind the whoop, what I've saw in the trend that I've tried is. You know, for me, my present lifestyle, I can't, during a week, I can't really get more than five and a half to six hours of sleep. I'm really averaging around five and a half. And, you know, I rely on a balanced nutritional lifestyle to recover. And for a set period of time, my recovery score has went really like low. I was in the yellow and the red. And all that does is with the whoop, it takes like your, um, your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, so different trends of your heart rate, the strain you put your body through. So like essentially the stress within um, activity and just like day to day. And it gives you a score at the end saying like, hey, based on this score, you should try to hit this amount of activity. And based on this score, you should rest. I was not recovering properly with five and a half to six hours of sleep yellow and red. And all I did was add some different supplementation to aid my recovery and do things like more uh, meditation and active breathing throughout the day. And it completely flipped upside down. So like now I've I've seen almost all green. Last week, um, I was in the green almost all week. So I think I averaged like 80% recovery. And the supplements I were taking was literally beta alanine, which is something found in pre-workout, um, helps with your recovery, your movement, Kind of energy levels creatine which we can go in a full episode on that and there was hmb which is essentially like a precursor for amino acids so long story short all those different supplements help you speed up your recovery and perform optimally with just the addition of that eating right and i kept my sleep where was at essentially my s- sleep went up so maybe i didn't really catch up on sleep but my recovery caught up so um that's my whole story on that yeah, no, I think it's really interesting because,
1: you know, when we think of sleep, that is our chance to to recharge, but finding ways to pun intended supplement that can help you from a recovery perspective. And that's kind of some some proof of that, at least in your own experience of going through this process. Now as far as the actual myth of you can catch up on sleep, because it's something that people say all the time is I need to catch up on sleep this this weekend or this Friday. So I'm just going to stay in and, and I'm going to go to bed early or whatever. What are your actual thoughts on that as far as this case, saying that it has a direct link between, you know, different types of diseases, obesity, heart disease. Um, do you think there's ways that you can combat that outside of just increasing your sleep level for someone like yourself that, you know, your current schedule doesn't really allow for anything else but your five and a half to six
0: hours? It's a good question. Um, I think it's the things outside of of just the sleep. So like you know taking more active recovery days as far as like movement and stretching yoga focused breathing um looking at it in like holistic approach so maybe it's those um mental wellness activities you can do like journaling things to like feed your subconscious mind that way so that way you can kind of monitor where your stress is at um that's one i'm not against napping but with napping, I always say like you don't want to overnap because you will 100% become groggy and it's hard to stay mentally clear there like it's. I can't tell you how, how many times that it's felt like, oh, I took a 30 minute to an hour nap. And then I, I'm like, okay, I can still take another nap. And then it's hard to get up again from there. And then you may be able, or you may end up staying up late after that. Cause it's like you're really throwing off your circadian rhythm there. So I would every say every like, time I take a nap. Every single is time. Exactly it's that. Hard. Yeah, <laughs> I it's can't so fall hard. asleep at night. Yeah, because like you you're not tired later on. Um, so so that's that. Like I think it's Being smart and intentional with like, if you are going to nap, when are you going to do that meditating there I really think like taking walks and getting air can help Um, you can I guess kind of catch up on sleep on the weekends just meaning like maybe you don't get up as early as you would in during the week that would just be my kind of pro tip and advice with that. Is there anything that stands out for you. So the thing that I've noticed since
1: starting the Whoop, because you get um, recovery scores, so how well your body's functioning, it's based off of your heart rate variability, resting heart rate, as well as your sleep performance, and a couple other factors. So what I've noticed is, and what I've started doing is treating this as like, each day is just independent of another. Mm. So I've had days where I've been completely in the red. That night, I've gotten some of my worst sleep. But because of I stretched, I did whatever throughout the day, my recovery score jumped up to like a high yellow, um, almost a green. And it's like, it wasn't because my sleep was good. I know that (laughs) because the numbers are right in front of me. So I think every day being treated independent of itself, as long as you have some type of schedule to your sleep, like don't be going to bed one day at 6 p.m. and then one day at 11 and then eight, whatever, because it does throw you off completely, But I think as long as you have some type of consistency and you treat it independently, it's not, you're not actually catching up on sleep. You're just setting yourself up best for the next day and kind of forgetting about what happened in the past is the way I kind of look at recovery in general at this point of, Hey, I had bad recovery one day. It happens. Yeah,
0: no, it's really good. So one day approach, one day at a time approach. And I think it's, again, not, I physically talk about supplementing, but We're essentially just supplementing what we're not getting enough of. So like if we're not getting enough sleep, how can you supplement in more rest? Then it's a different type of movement, lower intensity. It's breathing. It's taking some uh, mental health activities that work for you and, you know, recharging that way. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I think it's
1: good because it's like, you you know, you and your current lifestyle can't handle more. And there's a lot of other scenarios where that same exact thing is going to come into play, like new parents new moms and dads that have a baby that's screaming in the middle of the night, you could try to get more sleep, but it's not going to be easy. So it's like, you have to find ways to, even in those situations when that's priority number one, if there's ways while you're awake that you can take care of yourself and feel more like your normal self, even though you do have to care for Mm -hmm. this, this little one, um, you can find ways to prioritize that as well just to supplement sleep.
0: Yeah, I know for sure. Speaking of, You know, trying to supplement and do better with sleep when we don't get enough sleep, you can get sick. One thing that we're told growing up, I believe we were both told this growing up and hopefully a lot of the listeners think this too. There's a myth saying taking vitamin C prevents a cold. That's myth number four on the list. Essentially, I didn't want to read like actually I'll just read a little the for, first portion of it on this article and it says vitamin C itself does not prevent a cold. However, some studies show that taking vitamin C regularly can decrease the duration of symptoms by about 10%. I want to emphasize the 10% cuz it's so little and I'll explain why. The average cold is about 5 to 10 days, which means it can reduce your symptoms by about a half a day to a day. So like with that being said, Every time, and I feel like you and I have had a funny conversation about this. But every time, like we get any cold symptoms, it, we're running to uh, what is it called? Emergency. Emergency. Yeah. Emergency. Uh, like like we're running you put to the water. that. Water. Yeah. yeah. Like it tastes good. It works. I like seltzer. Yep. It tastes like seltzer. But like you run to that because you think I need to take more vitamin C. All the doctor says on, on this article essentially is like focus in on your nutrition because you can get vitamin C from your fruits and vegetables. Um, so I just. When Jason and I looked at this article before we decided to record and talk about this, we were both laughing because this is like something we've been told. It's like programmed into us. Vitamin C prevents a cold. So it's funny because I
1: definitely do it to prevent colds. I think I shared this with you, but every time I travel since I live in Florida now, if I travel up north during the winter months, typically I would either get sick while I was there. If I was there for a short period of time, as soon as I got back to Florida, I would get sick. I think from like the weather change or whatever. So what I've started to do is I take the vitamin C packs with me or the emergency packets with me. And I will just, I will drink it before I get on the plane all while I'm there, when I get home, just as a preventative thing. And looking back on it now, I don't know that it's helped (laughs) because I think I still get sick, but I've convinced myself. I think one time I didn't when I actually did that. And then I just convinced myself that it, it prevents colds, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't say that that's consistent. So I I think it's interesting because like we're all told that.
0: I think the point where it says in there, and and I like that the point gets brought up of like eating a garlic or kiwi, looking at that again, it says eat a pretty high amount because like you're not just going to eat just that for a set period of time, like so much of it to prevent it. The idea is just like, Again, we've talked about in the past, like build these healthy habits and if you're eating a nutritional lifestyle, it can really, really help you in the long run for preventative care because nutrition could be medicine. Here's part one of it, essentially. But I kind of want to dive right into another myth and that's carbs and fats are bad for you and they can lead to like uh, weight loss and this one or weight gain, sorry. <laughs> um, they could lead to weight loss and I'll explain why. But carbs and fats being bad for you and leading to weight gain that one's not on this list but it's commonly you know believed and i've seen it within many of my clients over time to break that myth you just have to know that if you're not having enough activity and then you're eating in a surplus you're not going to burn anything so then you are going to gain weight and in that case too if when it comes to tracking meals if you're not eating enough already and then you finally do eat if your metabolism's at a standstill and you do eat, your metabolism is not moving, and it's not going to break down your food. So you're not burning calories in return. So then when you do eat, it just sits and falls to where it's at. And then you put on you put on unwanted weight. So carbs and fats are good for you. Carbs are quick absorbed, quick source of energy, uh, stored energy for later on. And fats really help with um, promoting your hormone balance and protecting your organs as well and bone health. So like, they don't really cause weight gain, but they do if they're eating on a surplus. So like food is medicine and it can, it can really be preventative care.
1: So is, are you telling everyone that fat in fact does not make
0: you fat? Fat in fact does not make you fat, but it could, if you're having like trans fat and all, literally all saturated fats, like, you know, fried foods, which is like some of my favorites, if you're eating just that, it'll most likely lead to some heart things down the line you got to eat a high amount of it like you have to eat this high amount of garlic and kiwi for vitamin c i
1: always thought it was so interesting because like you know anytime you get uh, a macro breakdown there's always a balance of protein carbs and fat like it's going to be some category it's not like it ever eliminates unless you're doing some type of like fad dieting Um, it normally won't eliminate everything or something entirely Um, there are ones out there that do but I always think it's interesting and you know, I think it's just it's bad naming. Um, whoever came up with the idea that we're gonna name one of the macros fats, and then that's yeah. also gonna be a term for people that carry a little bit more weight than um the average. I think that's just it set everyone up for failure on that.
0: Yeah. No, it does. It's just Depends easy on. to
1: make that connection.
0: Make the connection and then these fad diets and like quick fix things, know how to kind of sell and, and make it feel like. You can, you know, do something extreme so quick. So like you brought up dieting, you know, ketogenic diet or ketogenic lifestyle isn't bad. It works for some people. Some people are medically prescribed that in a sense and and advise that. And all it does is it cuts out carbs. You eat a high amount of protein and fats, but you're eating good fats. And in return with no carbs, you're not going to hold on to um, a lot of water like you normally would. And a lot of people tend to lose a lot of weight super quick and it's great but if you only diet for a short period of time or a set period of time when you go back to how you normally ate if you never adopted um you know different uh good habits along the way all the weight comes back on because then you're gonna eat carbs again the water comes back on it and it's it's normal and when that cycle happens for individuals they're not bad people they're not failures it's just that like maybe what they tried didn't work for them yeah i uh, I actually tried keto
1: right after right after I stopped playing football, maybe about like a few months after started gaining some weight because I wasn't anywhere near as active um, as I was obviously playing college football. tried keto. I have to say, um it's a dangerous cycle because I wasn't like medically prescribed it or anything for like my lifestyle style. I just tried to do it as like exactly that, a fad diet. And first off, when you're first switching over from eating a lot of carbs to none, the keto flu thing, Terrible, but the worst part about it is you go through it the first time. But if you have any day or like two days where you mess up and you do eat a significant amount of carbs, you almost have to go through it all over again of like the keto flu of your body like readjusting. For me, it just wasn't something that was anywhere near sustainable. At least you know by choice. Um, if I had to do it, I could probably commit to something like that. But um, as a choice, it's also very hard. I think um, just to continually be like, if you slip up one time and that includes like things like um, if you drink any type of, you know, mixed drinks, beer, like that's going to push you out of ketosis. Yeah. So it's like, even that you have to eliminate. So like in college, you know, naturally you're, you're drinking. <laughs> um, so you get knocked out of it pretty, pretty often. So definitely not
0: the thing to do. And I feel like we may have talked about it briefly that you've, you know, Tried keto, but I didn't know you've tried it to that extent. And I really, I'm really glad that you shared that because that's a lifetime. I could give you a professional opinion on it, but me personally, I have never tried keto. Um, and I've only seen whether it's clients and now one of my friends talk about it, and it's good to know. And and hopefully, if you are deciding or thinking about doing something like that, like do some research, get some more professional opinion. If you feel like that is what will work for you, give it a shot. If worst case scenario doesn't work, you didn't fail or anything. It's just maybe it's not what you know fits your lifestyle. There,
1: I will say there are some amazing keto recipes. That's another <laughs> uh, that I I look at it as like now I look at it as like almost like cheap meals or like if i'm low in fats or something on a day that'll be what i i go for but um there's a there's so many recipes out there for like what they call fat bombs And it's just a lot of um, fat. The one is like avocado and bacon and like some other stuff mixed together. They have some good, some good recipes in there to like supplement your diet. So if you haven't checked any of those out, I would definitely recommend it.
0: Nice. Yeah. There's another thing to try out. I like that.
1: Last thing, um, not really a myth, maybe just something that I thought was interesting that we talked about was the idea of mental and physical stress. While we view them and perceive them as two different items, our body and our brain, it isn't registered that way. It's stress is stress, regardless of how it comes, whether it's, you know, from your emotions, from physically lifting or an injury or something like that, down to like stress you're experiencing at work or in your personal lives. I thought it was interesting um, when we were talking about that, just because it's it's something you don't put a lot of thought into of, you know, why am I not able to lose weight? Why am I not able to build the muscle I want? Well, maybe it has nothing to do with your physical recovery and your physical stress, but it could be stress you're experiencing at work, putting yourself into a almost stress overload situation. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. I know we are going to dive into that deeper next time, but um, if you have a, a quick tidbit you want to throw in, go for it.
0: No, it's a really good sh- uh, good point, good share to like bring up. Um, we'll definitely dive into it in our next episode. We'll talk about kind of stress management, what is stress, how to reach optimal health through stress management. Um, but just to add on a little bit more of what Jason said is, you know your body won't really know the different types of stress it doesn't really know how to decipher like hey this is stress from relationship this is stress from work the stress i put on my body through physical exercise it doesn't know that it just gets dumped into one pool of stress and then from there it's our job to see how we can manage all that stress so we can perform optimally but we'll dive into into that next episode um i'll kind of share where i got some background info from that and then yeah we'll have fun with with that i think that'll will be um, a fun one there, and then from there we'll think of some common asked questions for for that type of topic.
1: Perfect. Well, with that, thank you all for tuning into Action Ignited today. Um, we look forward to seeing you again soon. Um, in the meantime, make sure you hit the subscribe button, leave us a review if you like these MythBuster style episodes. Let us know, and we'll keep them going. If you have any questions for us, or maybe things you think might be myths out there, feel free to send them our way.
0: No, thank you, guys.